0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring And ethics and compliance assessments, nationally and internationally, and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor Affiliated Monitors at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with Rod Grandin. Rod is the Managing Director of Monitoring Services for Affiliated Monitors in the Washington, D.C. area. We take up the timely topic of federal contractor responsibility for compliance and ethics It's a fascinating five-part series, which includes an introduction to the topic, what the government expects in compliance and ethics, how small business programs may have certain flexibilities, why are people still talking about compliance and ethics programs in the federal contracting space, and we conclude with a fascinating exploration of Rod's thoughts on how to keep your compliance program fresh. I know you'll enjoy it. Whether or not you are in the federal space, Public space or private space, there are lots of lessons learned in this special five part series. This five part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Rod Grandin. Rod is the managing director of monitoring services for Affiliated Monitors in the Washington, D.C. area. We are on a five part uh, exploration. Uh, of which today is our final episode, and we've been taking a look at federal contractor responsibility. Uh, Rod, I wanted to end this uh, podcast series by asking you how can a contractor, uh, federal contractor, keep their compliance program fresh, and what were some of the things that you saw when you were sitting across the table from them, uh, as you told us in episode one, when you were wearing the uniform?
1: All right. Well, uh, so the, up to this point, we've talked about the, the federal, essentially the, the federal marketplace and the rules applicable to the federal marketplace when it comes to ethics and compliance programs. Um, and we talked about some of the features of those ethics and compliance programs, the need for a good infrastructure that is a code of conduct, policies, procedures that are aligned with the business's operational risks. We talked about the need to train and to have ongoing communication within the workforce. And we also talked about the need to periodically test the effectiveness of the ethics and compliance programs and how that's scalable from large to small businesses and that small business concerns particularly should not be afraid of embracing uh, efforts to promote integrity in their business operations. But, What I want to focus today, Tom, is on this notion that even the regulations uh, that are in place, and as a practical consideration, you cannot create an ethics and compliance program and then not monitor that program for effectiveness. Too often, in my view, I've seen companies that come in who have gotten into trouble and who say, but look, we have an ethics and compliance program. We have a code of conduct. We do train. But once you scratch behind this paper facade, you find that the code of conduct is is not even aligned with the business's operational risks. You find out the policies and procedures have huge gaps when it comes to trying to uh, promote the conduct that is necessary given its operational uh, activities. Uh, and you find that the training is, is a terrible, <laughs> a terrible <laughs> exercise that uh, frankly angers the workforce rather than educates or motivates the workforce. This stuff quickly falls apart. So the challenge for businesses is to not only create, but to sustain these programs. And a big piece of sustainment is to ensure that there are periodic reviews, whether done in-house, or done by external sources. Now, I turn uh, at this point, again, to the regulation that is in place. As I mentioned in an earlier podcast, for those federal contracts, over $5.5 million with over 120 days performance, that are not uh, acquisitions for commercial items and where the contractor is not a small business concern, Part of the requirement for an ethics compliance program is that the contractor will conduct periodic reviews of the company's business practices, procedures, policies, and internal controls for compliance with the contractor's code of business ethics and conduct and the requirements associated with federal contracting. And these reviews include monitoring and auditing and periodic evaluation of the effectiveness of the infrastructure and the efforts that are in place. And, uh, also being aware of the operational risk, knowing what the business risks are so that policies, procedures, and so forth can, and can, internal controls can be aligned to address and ideally uh, mitigate or reduce the impact of misconduct in the workforce. Um, uh, but it comes down to the need to be constantly Diligent in ensuring that that whatever's been put in place is effective. Now, contractors can conduct the, these reviews internally, and some do, and some do quite uh, quite a good job of this. And that requires that they go in and assess the effectiveness of the organizational structure. You know, what are the reporting lines? Does the compliance officer have access to the senior executives? Does the compliance officer have access? To the board of directors? Are there regular reports that go back and forth? Is the compliance officer and the compliance team a part of business daily business operations? Uh, the last thing you want is for your compliance people to be what I call the bubble people, where they float in once a year, provide training, do their thing, and then they float away until next year. Uh, that would be bad. Uh, businesses should be periodically reviewing the adequacy and the completeness of the code of ethics and business conduct and other policies and procedures. Again, business risks are constantly shifting. They shift when when the laws change. They shift when businesses move to new markets, when businesses adopt uh, different different, uh, objectives, or there's a merger, there's an acquisition. Again, Changing workforce dynamics, the risk environment is constantly changing, and this infrastructure, policies, procedures, and approach for promoting ethics compliance have to be kept fresh. There's a need to to make sure that the training that is being provided is effective, whether it's formal or informal, to make sure that there's some sort of a feedback loop. Uh, Companies must assess whether they have enough options for reporting potential misconduct, whether it's through the chain of command, whether it's directly to senior executives or whether it's through anonymous reporting. Are businesses checking to make sure that their anonymous reporting services are functioning properly? Um, And then also uh, taking a look at uh, a very objective look at how, how, how does the company respond when there is a potential concern, when potential or suspected misconduct occurs? Is the company looking at it? Is it getting, if they identify a problem, are they getting to the root cause? Is there then an information feedback loop where the rationale or the reasons for the misconduct are being carried back and the company is now adjusting their policies, their procedures, their internal controls to try to prevent identical conduct or similar conduct from occurring in the future? Again, businesses can perform this in-house, but... Um, as with affiliated monitors, sometimes it's good to bring in an outside set of eyes um, just to, to make sure that, that the internal biases uh, don't come into play and blind the company to, some, blind, uh, to some, some spots where, frankly, their program is weak. The point is, whether it's done in-house or whether it's done by an external focus, uh, focus it must be an objective review as objective as possible. Again, sometimes doing this in-house, if you tell an ethics compliance officer to basically review and report on the success of their program, there may be a vested interest there to say it's, it's all good and smiles when, in fact, there could be serious problems. So companies have to determine whether um, circumstances warrant bringing in that outside independent and objective uh, source for trying to assess periodically the effectiveness of the ethics and compliance program.
0: Rod, right, I wanted to pick up on one thing you uh, hinted on, or, or perhaps a little stronger than hinted on, which is that um, not only does that uh, independent uh, outside uh, reviewer uh, bring that independence and um To the process, but also it struck me that that reviewer would, in their report, create a roadmap that a company could use to uh, remediate any deficiencies uh, if new risks had arisen, either in markets, products, or services uh, that could move to uh, use, uh, really have as a documented roadmap that if a regulator, if an enforcer came knocking, you could show them, yes, we not only reviewed our program, but we have a roadmap, and here are the steps we're taking. Uh, based upon this roadmap, uh, to move forward into the future.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom, that is the ideal output of any type of a review. One, identify gaps, figure out you know, what the company needs to do, develop that roadmap for addressing those gaps and maybe improving training or what else. But uh, it, whether it's done in-house or externally, there should be, you know, I've always told clients, if it isn't documented, it doesn't exist. There should be some sort of a documented uh, way ahead, whether it's an internal review or an external review. Uh, and you know, frankly, when we go in and perform these type of what we call proactive services, um, not only do we offer the observations, but also we lay out that roadmap: how to improve, what could be done, um, both in the large scale and uh, you know more. Refined areas, what can be done to improve uh, program effectiveness? That's the test. But to keep it periodic and to keep it fresh, that's, that's the challenge for businesses. It's very easy to build, much more challenging to keep focus on sustaining these programs.
0: Well, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time on this fifth and final episode, but I wanted to thank you for um, participating with me in this fascinating podcast series on federal contractor responsibility, and I look forward to uh, seeing what you can come up with next. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of a special five-part series on federal contractors and compliance programs. I hope you'll join us again for another episode. This special series has been sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and you can check out more information on Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again.